0: Hey Snuggle Bunnies, we are excited to announce that Martini's and the Macabre is going to be attending the very first annual True Crime Podcast Festival on July 13, 2019 in Chicago. The festival is being specifically designed for podcasters and listeners to mingle, interact, and have casual conversations with the podcasters you listen to regularly. There will also be panel discussions and live episode recordings some of my personal favorites that are registered are ignorance was bliss murder and such dark poutine sword and scale southern fried true crime and already gone just to name a few the list of registered podcast updates regularly and you can find it at tcpf2019.com podcast you won't want to miss this So go to the website tcpf2019.com to find information on tickets and the hotel. Prices do go up the closer we get to the event, so you won't want to wait. And when you buy your ticket, and this is important, guys, please make sure you mention Martinis and the Macabre on the ticket registration survey. We can't wait to see you next July at the True Crime Podcast Festival. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. So, Billy told me a funny joke earlier this week. I think you should share it with the listeners.
1: Which which
0: one? About the funeral.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, a woman is at her husband's funeral. And a man next to her said, I'm so sorry for your loss. Do you mind if I say a word? And she said, no, please. That's perfectly fine. And he stood up and cleared his throat and said, plethora. And then sat back down. And she said, thank you. That means a lot.
0: (laughs) It's so bad that it's good. (laughs) So all week I've told Billy any time. He needs a a word of, you know, condolence or he needs reassurance on something. I'm going to make sure that I tell him plethora.
1: You said it after sex.
0: And I have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You said it after sex. (laughs) Plethora. (laughs) Thank you. It really means a lot.
0: (laughs) It's the best thing ever. So that is my new catchphrase. When Billy needs some reassurance, plethora. He needs the support, Plethora.
1: It means a lot. That means
0: a lot. (laughs) So if you guys know anyone that needs some encouragement, needs, you know, a little pat on the back, Plethora. There you go.
1: (laughs) Do it lovingly, too. Hey, hey, Plethora.
0: (laughs) I don't know why, but it's so fucking funny to me. (laughs) It's so great. Uh, He usually has really stupid dad jokes, but that one... Came through.
1: <laughs> I saw I saw a dad joke that, I don't know it was a dad joke, but I thought it was pretty good. It's like, I don't know why in October people are putting up Christmas decorations. Mary hadn't even told Joseph yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good point. I was like, damn, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that either. They already broke out the Christmas shit at Walmart and stuff like that. We're not even to Thanksgiving yet, but that will be tomorrow for you guys, as this is coming out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving! Happy Thanksgiving! And welcome to Martinis and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name's Erica, I'm joined by my husband and co-host Billy.
1: Plethora. (laughs) Plethora, guys.
0: If you guys need a little chin-up, you know, plethora. Hey. Hey, guys. There you go.
1: Hey, you out there. Plethora.
0: (laughs) Oh my God, it's so funny. (laughs) I like plays on words, so that works out great. It's very punny. (laughs) All right, so let's get down to it. This week. There
1: we go. There there it is. All right, let's get to the horrible stuff.
0: This past week, we were the recipients of some wonderful stickers from the Hoosier Homicide podcast with the wonderful little thank you note card and everything. And uh, their last episode that I listened to before I started researching this, they made mention of uh, Israel Keys, who was a murderer from Alaska. And then they also made mention of another guy who we're going to talk about today. And since their whole thing with Who's Your Homicide is they always find a link between their story and it either took place in Indiana or the person came through Indiana or the cops caught them in Indiana. There's always some kind of link. Which
1: is really cool. I like how they do that.
0: And they had mentioned this guy and I thought, well, our link will be them mentioning it on their last episode.
1: Yeah, because you've been researching
0: this for a while, yeah? Yeah, since we got those thank you cards, I was like, that would be really interesting to cover. And I actually wanted to cover this guy. At some point in the future, and I thought this would be the perfect time. So, tonight we're going to be talking about Robert Hansen, or the Butcher Baker. He's, nah, that's
1: a weak-ass name, the Butcher Baker.
0: He was a baker, and he yep. killed people.
1: Oh, I got it, yeah.
0: I wouldn't necessarily say he killed them in a butcher kind of way, but...
1: I don't know. I mean, he didn't bake them either.
0: True, but he was a baker. Okay. <laughs> so the fuck What? They could have called him something else, Baker. But I'm sure Butcher just sounded right.
1: Like John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown. That sounds good. Not John Wayne... Because of
0: alliteration.
1: Not John Wayne Gacy, the killer... Because of the "k" sound. The killer who liked KFC. No,
0: (laughs) it doesn't work. (laughs) The KFC killer.
1: He didn't kill anybody in KFC. Maybe. I don't know.
0: He did like KFC, though.
1: Didn't he run a couple? I believe so. I think his father-in-law gave him a couple of kfs like three of them to run
0: i believe so maybe i
1: know his last meal was like a 10 piece
0: yeah i think it was actually
1: like like a basket of strawberries and
0: yeah something like that yeah all right so the butcher baker whether billy likes it or not lame robert hansen is an american rapist and serial killer who raped over 30 women and killed at least 17 in alaska though he is suspected of raping and killing many more he would kidnap his victims, rape and torture them, then either let them go with threats of hunting them down and killing them if they went to the police, or he flew them to a remote location and literally hunted them down with a Ruger Mini-14 rifle and a knife. Man. Real life, the most dangerous game. So, Does it get that boring in Alaska? I guess so. Well, Robert Christian Hansen... Was born on February 15th of 1939, and it wasn't in Alaska. He was born in Esterville, Iowa, but was raised in Pocahontas, Iowa. His parents were Danish immigrants. His father owned a bakery, which Robert worked in from a young age, and was known to be very strict with his son. Robert was left-handed, but his parents forced him to use his right hand, putting unnecessary pressure on him. That
1: is unnecessary. It gives a shit.
0: Yeah. What would you have turned out to be if your parents had forced you to use your right hand? Because Billy's a lefty. I'd be right-handed. The fuck are you talking about? You might have some mental problems, too.
1: (laughs) What would happen if your parents... Hey, Billy, what would happen if your parents made you use your right hand? Oh, I'd rape and murder people, I
0: guess. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that was the sole contributing factor, but... Billy, the killer video gamer. And uh, things weren't any easier outside of the home for him, as he was skinny, shy, and spoke with a stutter. And once he hit puberty, he had severe acne, which later pockmarked his face with scars. In his later confession, Robert said, quote, Going back in my life, way back to my high school days and so forth, I was, I guess, what you might call very frustrated, upset all the time. I would see my friends and so forth, going out on dates and so forth, and had a tremendous desire to do the same thing. And so forth. <laughs> From the scars and so forth on my face, you can probably see... I can see why girls wouldn't want to get close to me, and when I'm nervous and upset like this here, if I, I'll try to demonstrate if I can think about exactly what I'm going to say, and if I talk slow, I can keep myself from stuttering. But at the time, during my junior high or high school days, I could not control my speech at all. I was always so embarrassed and upset with it from people making fun of me that I hated the word school, and so forth. He didn't really add that last and so forth, but he likes to say that a lot.
1: He really does.
0: (laughs) End quote. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, Robert became resentful of those that made fun of him, especially the girls that shunned him. It's okay to
1: be resentful. I mean, you don't have to like it when people make fun of you. That's totally totally fine.
0: No one said he had to. I'm just saying that's part of what leads into what happens later. I'm just
1: saying, you know, if somebody's making fun of you, you can resent them for it. There's no harm in that. Acting on that resentment, that's different.
0: Yeah. He participated in a couple of sports in school, doing well in track as he preferred activities that he could do by himself. Kind of reminiscent of the the postal guy that we covered. Mm -hmm. Where he lettered and shit and we don't know what lettering is. Yeah. (laughs) He was an avid hunter and archer and liked to be outdoors. Most people described him as a loner throughout his school years. He graduated in 1957 with a class of only 31 students, and the yearbook committee somehow managed to spell his name wrong in the yearbook.
1: Ah, oh, man, talk about it. A- <laughs> you
0: only have to know 31 names, and you still fucked it up.
1: To a kid who always feels shunned and outcast to see your name is spelled in the I, I would be like, goddamn, really, guys? Yeah. It's really, I thought maybe it was just me. No, it's fucking true. You all fucking hate me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty fucked up.
1: Made me think of—I don't know if you remember—but on Arrested Development, um, George Michael's girlfriend, I think her name was her name was Anne. They call her Bland Anne or something like that, you know. And oh, by the way, I found out on that show they planned. Because she was so, like, ordinary. Uh-huh. They planned to replace the actors every episode. That was the gimmick. <laughs> was that she's so forgettable, they just changed you the actors. You wouldn't actress. realize yeah, that it was like, a new one. You wouldn't care. Or, like, you would notice, but the family would never notice because, you know, they're like, oh. And they always say the same thing. they like, oh, there she is. And everybody's like, her? <laughs> you know? <laughs> they're like... And, like, there's one scene where he's talking to George Michael. He, he, the, the dad walks by. And he's like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. Didn't even realize that that was in <laughs> their <a> couple. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just walked past the chick. But in the high school yearbook, it was a picture of her. And it was a, her name underneath and it that says, not pictured.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was this. I love that show. <laughs> that is a good show. If you guys haven't watched it, you should check it out. It's hilarious. Well, uh. Robert here enlisted in the U.S. Army Reserve after graduating and did his basic training at Fort Dix in New Jersey, which is where he had his first sexual encounter at a hotel with a prostitute, and he would continue getting prostitutes throughout the years, and many of his later victims would end up being prostitutes or strippers.
1: You know, I kind of understand at this point where his head's at, though. It's been this long. if You know... If I was him and I would have been shunned that much, you know, and everything. And now I'm in the army. I'd be like, you know what? Fuck it. It's happening. I don't care how. (laughs) It's happening. Yep. Somebody give me a ride into the city. Fuck it. Drop me off there. I don't even need to ride back.
0: The source I found that information just said something like, he ended up in a hotel room with some prostitutes. Plural. Damn. So, I don't know what happened before that. Or if he was with, like, a group of guys and they all got prostitutes. But... That's how he lost his virginity. Was... I wonder if
1: somebody in this platoon mentioned it to him, like, found out he was a virgin, you know. We're was, getting you late. And they're like, bro, this is Jersey. <laughs> Just go get a prostitute. What's that? <gasps> Sit down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he continued working at his father's bakery while doing his one weekend a month for the reserves. He also worked as a drill instructor at the local police academy. At age 21, he started a relationship with a woman who he married in the summer of 1960, but it didn't last long. On December 7th of 1960, he was arrested, along with a 16-year-old friend for setting fire to the Pocahontas County Board of Education school bus garage. The fire was Robert's form of retribution towards the people of Pocahontas that he felt had abused him over the years. Man,
1: he hated school.
0: So you burned down the school bus garage? Fuck it, yeah. Why not? He didn't name big enough. He should have gone for the school. Good God. Erica. <laughs> that was a joke. Humor. I know. Dark, dark humor. Dark like my heart. Yeah,
1: you're not lying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was caught because the 16-year-old felt so guilty that he turned himself in and rattled Robert out in the process. He was sentenced the next year to three years in the Iowa Men's Reformatory with recommended psychiatric treatment, and his wife swiftly divorced him. Robert was seen by psychiatrists while incarcerated and was assessed as having, quote, an infantile personality, end quote. Fuck's that even mean? Which seemed to propel his obsession with getting even with people. Despite this, he was paroled after serving only 20 months in early 1963. He quickly started seeing a woman after his release and the two were married within just a few months. The two would have two kids, a boy and a girl, but I'm not sure exactly when in the marriage they had the kids. As this kind of was a last minute, hey, I'm going to research this. I didn't have time to like get a book or anything that would probably have that information in it. Um, And also the research I found, you know, he didn't want any kind of media circus happening. And so the wife and children were not really talked about, but I believe he had a boy and a girl. And uh, Robert was also picked up for shoplifting that year, something he had done for a long time and would later brag about to co-workers. His high came from the actual act of stealing and not the items themselves, so he would usually just give whatever he stole away to people. He was caught shoplifting several times over the next few years, but no charges were ever filed. In 1967, the Hansons decided they needed a fresh start, it moved all the way to Anchorage, Alaska.
1: I shoplifted once.
0: What did you shoplift? Men in Black. Men in Black?
1: The VHS tape.
0: Why did you steal Men in Black?
1: I wanted to see it. It was when it first came out.
0: So you took it.
1: Put it in my pocket, walked out the store with it. What store? Meyer. It was back in the days of Jinko. Ah. I had the pockets for it.
0: The big pants. Yeah. Of all the times, And all the things you could have taken, you took Men in Black.
1: It's a good movie. Is it? I'm not going to speak for the second or third one, but the first one, yeah,
0: it was good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Lethra.
1: (laughs) I'm such a rebel.
0: So yeah, so they decided they were going to move way the fuck away. He was probably running from some shoplifting charges or some shit. Uh, he got a job at a bakery there.
1: <laughs> but like, we need to get a fresh start. We're going to get a fresh start, like move to the next town over. Anchorage, Alaska. God damn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have to go through another country to get to that state. <laughs> you weren't fucking around. <laughs> so, yeah, he worked in a bakery there and uh, honed his hunting skills in 1969, 1970, and 1971. He had four animals that he had hunted entered into the Pope and Young Club Record Book, which is a bow hunting organization. So he was a pretty damn good archer. He and his wife made friends, and Robert seemed to be well-liked in the community. Hey, good for him. In 1971, Robert was arrested after pulling a gun on a woman in the Spinard neighborhood of Anchorage and trying to demand she come with him.
1: Okay, well, he wasn't well-liked by everybody. Yeah,
0: he wasn't good at that kind of hunting yet.
1: Just offer them candy. That's how it works.
0: I don't think women respond to candy. Oh, really? That's
1: just children. Really?
0: You should know. You're the one who has dreams about it. What the fuck?
1: I know what you're getting at. <laughs> it was about the recipe. It uh-huh. wasn't about the, the recipe.
0: Yeah. I
1: could get you to do anything if I gave you like a Hershey special dark. No, you couldn't. I could. Mm-mm. If I gave you a homemade Buckeye.
0: Okay. Maybe. I'll relent on that. Maybe. Bunkeyes are the buckeyes are the shit.
1: Ooh piece of candy. Ooh
0: piece, Ooh, piece of, candy. of candy. Ooh piece of candy.
1: <laughs> you want this buckeye? Yeah, please. You must kill a man.
0: Okay, whatever. Uh, Alright. Point him out.
1: <laughs> half a bite now, the other half
0: later. Aw When it's done.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Billy, why is your wife skipping down the road with a hatchet? <laughs>
0: homemade buckeyes <laughs> <laughs>
1: who's she killing i don't know i just didn't know she would do it i'm kind of surprised
0: <laughs> well uh robert was released on bond but while awaiting the trial he was arrested again this time for allegedly kidnapping and raping an 18 year old prostitute at gunpoint outside of a bar
1: cheesy cow
0: yeah escalated quickly Those charges were eventually dropped when the alleged victim failed to appear in court. But he was convicted of assault with a deadly weapon for pulling the gun on the woman in Spinard, and was sentenced to five years. But somehow, after filing for parole right after he was incarcerated, he only spent from March until June actually incarcerated. In June, he was moved to a halfway house and started receiving psychiatric treatment, and he did that through November. Now, around this time in Anchorage... Sex work was a big thing. The Alaskan oil pipeline was being constructed, and a lot of construction workers were making big bucks, and so they had a load of, like, expendable cash. So that expendable cash is what pulled in a lot of women who thought they could make some easy money stripping or prostituting. A lot of strip clubs opened up, like the Wild Cherry, the Booby Trap, and the Great Alaskan Bush Company. (laughs) I was
1: taking a drink. That's a real place.
0: Yeah, those are some names of some real strip clubs that were there. And I believe Great Alaskan Bush Company may still be... I'm looking
1: it up right now.
0: Yeah, may still be, but it's changed locations or it's changed names. But uh, that's a pretty badass name for a strip club.
1: (laughs) What's it called again?
0: Great Alaskan Bush Company. Okay. Police were kept very busy because there was also a lot of violent crime as well. So many times crimes against prostitutes were not believed or were kind of put on the back burner as many in law enforcement just saw them as part of the problem. And this was a veritable treasure trove of victims for Robert Hansen.
1: Holy shit. Yeah.
0: You find it? I found it.
1: (laughs) It's there. Wow. Look at that. There's a tab or a little link. You can meet the girls. View the selection of Alaska beer and wine, gift shop. Wow! And apply, dancer application, if you wanna.
0: A strip club with a gift shop.
1: Man,
0: <laughs> I've never heard what of kind such a of thing. Gifts? would they have? <laughs> Condoms, lube.
1: <laughs> See, this is how much of a nerd I am. Hasties I'm, lo- I'm looking at this. It has all this stuff on here. And I'm like, I wonder what their selection is. (laughs)
0: I'm looking at their beer wine. (laughs) Beer snob. Well, during his later confession, Robert told investigators that the very night he was released from the halfway house in December on a work furlough program, he went cruising, watching the prostitutes and fantasizing about what he could do to them. $6.50 for a fucking beer. It's the Great Alaskan Bush Company. It's a... you get boobies with that beer.
1: <laughs> Six dollars and fifty cents. I fucking better. <laughs> Ooh, try one of our flight samplers. Five for nine dollars.
0: Okay, that's that's, good. that's my husband. He's not worried about meeting the women. He wants to know what kind of beer selection they have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you want a private dance, baby? Yeah. Do you have any double IPAs?
0: so some of these women that he saw he would pick up and pay and others he just raped women thought he was weird but they didn't feel threatened by him
1: oh they have in the gift shop koozies go ahead
0: (laughs) i'm talking about women being raped here (laughs) billy's like koozies (laughs) okay okay, go ahead yeah so they, they didn't necessarily feel threatened by him one victim later described him as looking, quote, like the perfect dork, end quote. <laughs> we need to bring that word back. <laughs> that's just, dork.
1: That's just mean-spirited.
0: <laughs> he would tell his victims... I, 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 if I was a cop, I was
1: really? That's how you want to portray yourself? Calling somebody that? That's so feel, so even in really adulthood,
0: good- he got no respect. <laughs> he would tell his victims that they wouldn't be believed because they were young or because they were prostitutes and he was an upstanding citizen. Most women actually believed him and didn't report. In 1975, another prostitute claimed to a rape crisis center that she had been raped by Robert. The center reported it to police, but the woman wouldn't cooperate and speak to police, so he was never even charged for that one.
1: You gotta talk to the cops. You gotta show up to court. That's how it works.
0: He was arrested again in the end of 1976, but not for rape. For shoplifting a chainsaw.
1: Yay. And our
0: Patreon listeners will know what we're talking about because we mentioned this in our last Patreon episode. Yeah. So. How do you
1: shoplift uh, a Patreon? or a Patreon? You don't shoplift a Patreon. You put them in your pocket. You, and you, you thank them Skittles. for the money that they give. How do you shoplift a chainsaw? They're kind of big.
0: Yeah. And if you were a Patreon, you'd hear about a really stupid criminal who just got on a subway with fucking stolen chainsaws. I started talking about, he's the Texas Chainsaws masker. Yeah. Donate to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Cob, And you can hear about that. Because people are fucking crazy when it comes to stealing chainsaws, evidently. Like, do you
1: think when he left and they went to stop him, he was like, no, nah, I came in with this.
0: Yeah, how do you <laughs> just like how trot you... out with a chainsaw?
1: Now, if it was a man in black VHS tape, you put it in your <laughs> fucking Jinko pocket and everything's fine. They'll never even know. If
0: Jinkos were still in style, maybe you could get out with a chainsaw if it was one of those like small ones. Put it, you know, up against your leg and your jinkos I guess. But, yeah. Definitely not as easily hidden as a Men in Black VHS.
1: Yeah, you could tuck those away.
0: And they were probably like, please and take it with you.
1: It wasn't that bad of a movie.
0: It wasn't that great of a movie.
1: It was stealable.
0: <laughs> okay. It was. Chainsaw wasn't. <laughs> so... Although it was a shoplifting offense, the courts took his two prior felonies into account, the fire in the Iowa school bus garage and pulling the gun on the woman in spinard and he ended up being sentenced in 1977 to five years. Robert appealed his sentencing to the Alaska Supreme Court, arguing that the five years was excessive and the court actually agreed with him, freeing him in August of 1978 after only one year in prison.
1: Seems like he never spent any time in fucking prison.
0: Yeah. They cited his stable family life and job and recommended that he be put on probation with psychiatric treatment. They ordered that he maintain a medication program of lithium to treat his mood swings as he had been diagnosed with bipolar affective disorder. But the medication order was never followed up on or enforced and Robert went right back to raping and possibly killing at this point. That same year, Robert applied for a pilot's license. He said that he was taking lithium on the application, which caused his license to be denied. This may have been a reason that he actually quit taking the medication, but it's (laughs) not certain. (laughs) Why not? And I've read conflicting results about his supposed pilot's license. Some sources say that he never actually obtained a license, and some say that he did actually later reapply. But he didn't list that he was taking any drugs, and so the license was actually granted at that time. So I'm not real clear on whether he actually got the license or not.
1: Did I say I took lithium? I meant I don't take lithium at all. Good sir.
0: (laughs) In July of 1980, skeletonized remains of a female were found in a shallow grave in the Eklutna native village in the Anchorage municipality. An autopsy showed that she was in her late teens or early 20s and had been stabbed in the back. She couldn't be identified, and she was dubbed Eklutna Annie. Later that year, the badly decomposed remains of a 24-year-old topless dancer named Joanne Messina were found in a gravel pit near the same area. No evidence or cause of death was found for her. And uh, after all these years later, uh, Eklutna Annie has never actually been identified. She is still an unidentified victim. Robert filed an insurance claim in 1980, stating that his house was broken into and several of his wildlife trophies were stolen. He received a $13,000 settlement and opened his own bakery in January of 1981. And uh, his trophies were all later mysteriously found in his backyard, but he claimed that he forgot to tell the insurance company of their safe return. So, oops, his bad. Uh-oh. Yeah, I kind of found them, but I'm not going to tell you guys because I really wanted that money for my bakery. Sorry. (laughs) You just got pranked. (laughs) Then in January of 1982, Robert purchased a Piper Super Cub airplane, which comes in handy when you're in the murdering business. Just saying. Two off-duty police officers were hunting alone along the Nick River on September 12th, 1982, when they discovered the remains of a female in a shallow grave. She had been shot with a .223 caliber bullet. Strangely though, she was clothed and there were no bullet holes in her clothing. It suggested that she had been naked or partially undressed when shot and then redressed. She was identified as 23-year-old Sherry Morrow, a topless dancer that had been reported missing 10 months earlier. On June 13th of 1983, everything changed one of Robert's victims got away. A partially clothed and handcuffed woman darted down 6th Avenue and flagged down a passing truck. The driver stopped and picked her up. She asked him to take her to the Mush Inn, and when they arrived, she jumped out of the truck and ran inside. She pleaded with the clerk to call her boyfriend. The clerk and the truck driver notified police of the handcuffed woman, but when the Anchorage police got to the Mush Inn, They were told she had actually taken a cab to another motel, which was where her boyfriend was supposedly staying. But police got to her in the Big Timber Motel. She was found in room 110. She was alone and still handcuffed. And they actually had to let her out of the cuffs. And then they took her to the station for questioning. The woman was actually a 17-year-old prostitute named Cindy Paulson. She told investigators that Robert had offered her $200 for oral sex, which that price seems a little bit too good to be true. 200 bucks for some head seems a little yeah. steep there, but whatever. She said that when she got in the car with Robert, he pulled a revolver with a wooden handle on her and handcuffed her. He took her to his home and tortured and raped her. Now remember, he's married with two kids, and he took her to his home. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah, it is. He then changed her to a beam in his basement while he took a nap on a nearby couch. She described the house in detail, including all of his hunting trophies and mounted animal heads on the walls, and even knew the location of the house. She said that when Robert woke up, he put her in his car, still handcuffed, and drove her to the Merrill Field Airport, telling her that he was going to, quote, take her out to his cabin, end quote. And the quote-unquote cabin he was talking about was actually just a little shack in the Nick River area that was accessible only by boat or plane. When they arrived at the airport, Robert left her in the backseat of the car and started loading items into his plane. She saw him loading a rifle into the plane and knew that she would die if Robert flew her away. And Cindy was smart. She took off her shoes to leave in the back seat as evidence that she had been in the car. Nice. And when Robert had his back turned to her, she crawled up to the front seat and opened the driver's side door and took off. Robert started to chase her, but he ended up giving up once she made it to the avenue. Cindy had police take her to the airport so she could point out Robert's plane. She also picked out the type of gun she thought she saw him loading into the plane from multiple photos of guns. She picked a Ruger Mini-14, which fires .223 caliber rounds. The police then went to Robert's house to question him. Everything in the house was exactly as she had described. Robert admitted to the officers that he had picked her up for oral sex, but claimed she was trying to extort him for money and he refused to pay. He claimed that after their interaction, he had gone to his friend John Henning's house to repair a plane seat and and had been there for many hours, so he couldn't have held her captive and raped her, as she claimed. John was questioned and confirmed his alibi, strangely. With no evidence tying him to Cindy's claims and his alibi, police had no choice but to let him off the hook again, because he always seems to find a fucking way out. Yeah. But investigators actually believed Cindy, which was unusual since most prostitutes back then weren't believed, but she had details and facts. And along with the bodies of the strippers that were found, the type of gun Cindy claimed she saw, and the previous reports from prostitutes that claimed they were raped by Robert, police began looking at him as the main suspect involved in the murders. They called in the FBI to assist with the investigation and to create a profile of the killer. Three months later, on September 2, 1983, another body was found. It was a female found in a shallow grave on the banks of the Nick River, an area only accessible by plane. The body was that of another topless dancer, 17-year-old Paula Golding. Now, I'm assuming back then the age was different, because I think now you'd have to be 18 unless it's different in Alaska. I don't know. If any of you are from Alaska, maybe you can let us know. I always thought, well,
1: here's the thing is I always kind of figured you'd have to be at least 21. Maybe not, though. Because you're in a bar. This is early 80s too. Technically, at least from what I understand, at least in the state of Indiana, you can work. But you can't
0: serve the alcohol. You can't serve.
1: Like, I, like, for instance, I can, I can hire somebody who's under 21, but oh, they can only stock. They can't touch the register. They can't touch money. They can't accept orders because Mm -hmm. that's technically buying alcohol, you know? Um, but now here's the thing is while, um, you could do that, why would I hire two person to do two people to do a job that one person can do? Mm-hmm. Why would I? Maybe a stripper's just there to dance, but I've also, I mean, there's also like. I've but seen, I mean, like, if you're in,
0: stripping, that would be child porn in a way. That would be a, a maybe minor. A, maybe a seventeen. Maybe you back then sixteen was the age. Maybe
1: there's a waiver that could be signed or some shit. I don't Cause, know. Because
0: I get what you're saying. Because like when I worked for a local pizza place here in Indiana. <laughs> Might be in a couple other states. Pizza King, it's fucking delicious. Expensive. I could work there, but I couldn't be a server because they served alcohol, so I'd have to work in the back, making the pizzas, doing the dishes, yeah, whatever. So
1: the thing is, though, is why would I hire you underage if I could hire you of age and I can move you where I want you? Maybe strippers are only there to strip just for entertainment, but there's also women who are half naked that come up and you know, you know, you want a beer, you want, you want some pretzels. Why, why wouldn't I just save time and save money through scheduling and be like, you know what? You have to be 21. That way, on any given night, you're, you're up dancing next. Well, guess what? My bartender, Carl, called in sick. So you're going over here now, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't. I can't touch alcohol. I'm not 21. You know what I mean?
0: Well, my I- only question is, you know, several of these victims of his were 17 they weren't even 18 which we would consider adult now so i'm wondering if maybe back in the early 80s 16 was like the age of consent and age that you could strip legally without being considered a minor maybe
1: i'm not googling that i'll be put on the list
0: (laughs) yeah what's the age of consent in alaska (laughs) We'll, we'll just go with that but uh yeah this was 17 year old paula golding She had been shot with a .223 rock-caliber round and redressed the same way as Sherry Morrow. So, probably from the same killer. During this time, the FBI profilers had come up with the killer's profile after scouring over the evidence. They thought, and it's amazing how they come up with this shit. I don't know how they can get it so exact. They thought he would be considered a normal, upstanding citizen as he had been committing these crimes without being noticed. Based on the body locations... They felt that he would be an avid hunter or outdoorsman. He most likely kept souvenirs or trophies from his victims, as serial killers tend to do, so they can relive the moments in their minds. He probably had poor self-esteem and probably had a history of rejection from women. Yeah, it made me think of
1: the souvenir thing. It made me think of a great movie, The Lovely Bones.
0: Yeah, it was a good movie. It was a really
1: good movie. But, like, it showed him playing. So sad. It's really sad. It'll make you tear up. But it showed him. Playing, no, I ugly cried. It showed him playing with like her charm bracelet, and he and he and I remember watching the movie, thinking like, "That's the one thing that's really t- you're really scot free. Get rid of the fucking charm bracelet, man. You know." And mm-hmm. he never did. He wanted to keep it because that was that he wanted to relive it. So yeah, yep. totally makes. They sense. always seem to keep something. I bet you. I bet you like ninety nine percent of the time that's what d- does him into. You know where like his defense attorney is like, dude, why didn't you just get rid
0: mm-hmm. of that?
1: Fuck, dude. Really?
0: Yep. They always keep it, even if it's hidden somewhere. Search warrant, they can tear your fucking house apart. They yeah. can find that shit. So, yeah, they suspected he'd probably been rejected. And they suspected that part of his poor self esteem and rejection would be related to a speech impediment, a lisp or a stutter. How they fucking come up with that, I don't know. But it's fucking spot on. Yeah. And considering the remote location of some of the bodies that weren't accessible by car, he probably had a boat or plane. Robert Hansen fit these traits to a T and was the only suspect with a plane. Seven specific search warrants were drafted, allowing investigators...
1: (laughs) And several FBI agents were promoted. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's fucking great.
0: (laughs) The search warrants were drafted, allowing investigators to search Robert's house, car, and plane for evidence related to the crimes, including guns and items belonging to the victims. They decided that they would bring Robert in for questioning and perform the searches simultaneously so he wouldn't be at the house while they were tearing shit up. They pulled up to Robert's Bakery on October 27th, 1983 to pick him up and take him to the police station. He immediately put his hands up as if he were going to be arrested, but they told him, No, we we just want to talk to you. Come on. Come with us. Even though they probably had more planned. Yeah. He went with the police and was questioned for five hours while the search warrants were carried out. And for five hours, he denied everything they accused him of. The searches yielded nothing in the car or plane, but investigators hit the jackpot in his house. His wife was home and she let the investigators in, and they recorded everything with a camcorder to ensure that the search was documented and couldn't be questioned in court. They didn't want shit getting thrown out. Hidden behind insulation in the attic, they found guns a revolver with a wooden handle, exactly like Cindy Paulson described, and a Ruger Mini-14, which matched what she had picked out from photos as being the gun she saw Robert load into the plane. They also found a single .223 round hidden with the guns. And there was another rifle and a shotgun as well. Investigators found jewelry in the house that matched descriptions of some of the murdered women's jewelry that was missing from their bodies, as well as two of the dancers' business cards. And hidden behind Robert's bed's headboard was an aviation map with 24 X's marked on it. And while the search in the house was taking place, a neighbor approached one of the police to inquire as to what was going on. She informed the officer that she was the wife of John Henning, the friend of Robert's that provided his alibi for the night of Cindy Paulson's alleged kidnapping and rape. She confessed that her husband had lied for Robert. That Robert had not been at their house that night and that John didn't know that Robert was suspected of anything serious, only that he had hired a prostitute. So he was trying to, like, help his friend out. So, you know, the wife won't find out. Keep it on the DL. He was here with us. Not saying that's right. That's just what he did. Investigators and the DA felt they had enough evidence for Cindy Paulson's case at the time and went ahead and charged Robert with assault, kidnapping and weapons offenses as he was a convicted felon it was not even supposed to have guns. And since they saw his trophies that he had put in an insurance claim for, he was also charged with insurance fraud. How do you like that? He was booked into jail and his bail was set at $500,000. On November 2nd, 1983, Robert Christian Hansen was indicted for first-degree assault and kidnapping, five counts of misconduct in possession of a handgun, theft in the second degree, and theft by deception of insurance fraud. The evidence taken from the house was investigated and all tied Robert to the murders. On November 20th, the ballistic reports came back showing that the gun used in the murders matched bullets fired from Robert's hidden Ruger Mini-14. A distinctive necklace found was identified as the one that belonged to Sherry Morrow. Her family and friends said it was her quote-unquote good luck charm, and she always wore it, but it wasn't found on her body. Investigators realized that some of the X's on Robert's aviation map matched where the bodies were found. But so far, they only had four bodies, and there were 24 exes on the map. Investigators knew they should be looking for many more murdered women. Robert was brought back in for questioning, and investigators hit him with all of the evidence. Over a 12-hour period, he admitted to over 30 rapes and 17 murders over the previous 12 years, stating he began his assaults in 1971. Some of the victims weren't strippers or prostitutes. He said he would befriend a woman after watching them for a while and get them to meet him at a restaurant or a fast food place. Some of them were dancers or aspiring models or actresses, and he would actually offer to photograph them for a portfolio. Once they felt at ease with him, they would head to his car and leave with him. He would already have one half of a set of handcuffs clasped to something in his car. Reminds me a lot of Ted Bundy. When they would get in, he would quickly handcuff one of their wrists with the other half of the handcuffs and pull a gun on them. He boasted to the police that the movements almost became a reflex.
1: Ah, huh, cool. He's a braggart.
0: Yeah. But that's kind of how it was with Ted Bundy. He had shit already set up, ready to go. He'd get him in the car. Then they were his.
1: Yeah. He had like a kit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Erica does awesome, awesome stellar research on these things. I try. I did research, too. It's this great documentary. It's called Frozen Ground. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, Nicolas Cage and John Cusack there in it.
0: Yeah, I was kind of wanting to watch that. I saw that in my research.
1: It's I've seen it. You have? Yeah. How was it? It was good. It was good. I think um, in the movie, though, um, John Cusack's the killer. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe he owned like a cafe. I don't know if it was a bakery. We would have to watch it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and it shows him like in the interrogation room and he would just go through and talk about you know, and I'll, it did, like, the montage bit, you know, and mm-hmm. all that stuff, and talked about the the strippers and the prostitutes and stuff like that, which really, like, pissed me off watching it, because this one, I think it was Cindy or whoever, wouldn't cooperate, like, at all, like, one of those things was like, I'll tell you what happened, I'll tell you everything, and then five minutes later, she's like, I gotta get out of here, I can't be here, and then leaves, and it's like, bitch, got, come on, <laughs> and I, well,
0: she's traumatized. Yeah, I know. I mean, you're going through a whole
1: I get slew that. of them. I get that. I get that. But it's like, okay, if you're gonna run, run, if you're gonna talk, talk, you can't do both. Come on, man. I'm surprised Nicholas Cage, he's he's the I think he's the FBI. FBI
0: and, investigator.
1: Um, oh, and the guy from um Breaking Bad, the brother in law, bald guy. Mm-hmm. He's sergeant somebody, somebody, but he's one of the local guys and stuff and yeah, I think he's the guy that takes Nicolas Cage around is like, okay, this is where the prostitutes really hang, and this is where the strip clubs are, and and all that junk. And it's 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 actually really it's a really good movie.
0: Yeah, I, I saw that when I was <laughs> doing the it actually research, kind of is and a documentary. I thought, I really like, see, I never even heard of it until I I, I told you I watched it.
1: I, I think I did, because I mentioned it, and you're like, oh, that's, that's Hanson, the guy that in alaska that honey people oh, in like, maybe a long time ago and you're like yeah i know about him. it was like when we first moved in here
0: oh yeah because he's somebody i've been wanting to do for a long time i've had him on a i have a whole list of people that i'd like to eventually cover and he's been on there so you probably did i've slept since then yeah so <laughs> it's been a while
1: <laughs> it's just weird you're talking about all this stuff as you're talking about it, i'm seeing it in my head i'm like i know this i know this Revolver, plane, rifle, Cindy, I know this. I know. This. It's like one of those things where you're trying to remember the name of a movie and it's on the tip of your tongue. And as you're talking, I'm like, what is
0: shit? And yep. then it
1: popped in my head, John Cusack. And that's why I had my tablet right here. I was like, I know this. I know this.
0: And
1: yeah, frozen ground.
0: <laughs> yep. So, uh, once the women were controlled, Robert would drive them either to his house if no one was home or or to a remote hotel to rape and torture them before killing them and dumping the body. Once he got the plane, he would blindfold the victims and fly them to a remote area, usually around the Nick River. He would land the plane on a sandbar, let them out to run, and then hunted them down with his rifle. He felt he was better than the prostitutes he would pick up, so many of them ended up being his victims. He tried to blame them for their own deaths. He said, quote, Over the years, I've gone in many, many topless and bottomless bars in town and so forth. Of course, because that's just what he likes to say. And so forth. (laughs) And so forth. And never, never touched one of the girls in there in any way, shape, or form until they asked. It's like, it's like a game. They had to pitch the ball before I could bat. She had to come out and say, we could do it, but it's going to cost you money. Then she was no longer, I guess, what you might call a decent girl. I didn't look down at the girls dancing, what the hell, they're just trying to make a buck, End quote. Sadly, these women didn't know that they were participants in his sick game. He even admitted to shooting the dog of one of the victims in 1980, so that it wouldn't lead anyone to her grave. Not
1: the dog.
0: The dog. God. And he also told investigators that he had, quote, a summer plan during the summer of 83, and he deliberately sent his family away on vacation so that he could specifically bring women back to his house to do this to them. Robert agreed to help investigators find the bodies of the 17 women he admitted to killing in a plea deal in February of 1984. He would plead guilty to the murders of Eklutna Annie, Joanne Messina, Sherry Morrow, and Paula Goulding, and lead investigators to the other victims' bodies, but would not be charged for the murders. He would also be placed in a general federal facility in the lower 48 states rather than Alaska. He wanted no press and wanted to be away from his family to try to save them from backlash and harassment. On February 7, 1984, Robert Hansen was sentenced to 461 years plus life with no parole and was remanded to Lewisburg Federal Penitentiary in Pennsylvania. In April, Robert accompanied investigators to the remote region in south-central Alaska to show them where the other bodies were. The bodies of 41-year-old Lisa Futrell, 28-year-old Malay Larson, 23-year-old Sue Luna, 20-year-old Tammy Peterson, 24-year-old Angela Federn, Teresa Watson, age unknown, Delin Sugar Frey, age unknown, and an unidentified woman dubbed Horseshoe Harriet, Due to her location near Horseshoe Lake, were all found during April and May.
1: Which is neat at the end, at the end of frozen ground. It says, you know, that the screen will go to black. You know, like, oh, uh, he. Was, and I believe
0: they used actual shots yes, of these women.
1: Yes. It said, like, uh, you know, he was he was given this sentence and everything. And they said the FBI agent he went on to do such and such. Said that Cindy, um, I don't know if I'm gonna spoil what you did, but like Cindy left and she she went to go pursue a life and she got married. And then it showed pictures of all the victims and their names. I think they mentioned Eclutna. Ic- Eclutna and Annie mm-hmm. mentioned her and says like you know she's never been discovered or never been found or whatever. Yeah, that they went through all that.
0: It was really neat. Yeah. Now all these bodies, the locations of them, all matched X's on Robert's map. He had also admitted to killing Andrea Fish Altieri. What a nickname. Yeah. Uh, Who wants to call a woman fish? That's just bad.
1: Especially if you're a stripper or a prostitute. Yeah. That's not a
0: good nickname. (laughs) So Andrea Fish Altieri and 24-year-old Roxanne Eastland, but their bodies could not be located. It's believed bears or other animals probably pulled them away and scattered the remains. The remains of Celia Beth Van Zanten, 17, were found, corresponding with an X on the map, but he denied killing her. Two other missing women, 17-year-old Megan Emmerich and 22-year-old Mary Thill, were suspected to have been killed by Robert along with some other unknown victims due to the additional X's on Robert's map that he denied were bodies of women he killed. But they just so happened to match X's on his map. Yeah. So I've never, I didn't quite understand why he would admit to 17 of them and not... The rest. I mean, there's 24 X's, and they're finding bodies that match some of the other X's. Yeah, and, and chances are you fucking killed them.
1: Yeah, and you're going. You know it. You go. You're going away. Yeah. So just spill the beans.
0: For some reason, he was adamant about saying he didn't kill these other seven women.
1: I wonder if in his head he would use that as a bargaining chip, like almost like a plea deal. There were like seven. The movie Seven. Like, do I remember I'll the movie Seven? You, sh- Did
0: you just ask me that? But like,
1: I'll take you to the body, <laughs> but you have to meet these conditions. Maybe it's like, well, if you shave off a couple hundred years, I'll show you <laughs> a where. Couple hundred. I don't know. Years. You know. You know. He what got I mean, four
0: hundred and sixty-one years plus life.
1: Yeah, like maybe if you give me unlimited access to the canteen, maybe I'll show you where one of them are. And if you give me no cellmate and I have my own room to myself with a TV, I'll show you where another one is. Maybe. I don't
0: know. But he never did fess up to these. He continued denying them. Megan and Mary's bodies were never found. And investigators believe that the seven unclaimed exes on the map are indeed victims of Robert's that for some reason he would not admit to. And if I've missed any of the victims' names, I really apologize. All of the sources gave very conflicting information on who was killed, who was found, who was not found, when and where they were found, And if Robert actually admitted to them or not. And I tried to piece it together as best I could, trying to corroborate information between like six or seven different sources. Because everybody had something different about the victims, whether it be their age or whether he admitted to them or not. But uh, I, I tried to include everyone that I could find as far as victims go. In 1988, Robert was transferred to Lemon Creek Correctional Center in Juneau. In the spring of 1990, he was moved to the new maximum security facility at Spring Creek in Seward, becoming one of its first prisoners. He was moved there after it was discovered that he had been accumulating materials, including aeronautical maps, that indicated he may have been planning an escape from Lemon Creek. He was going to fly the fuck away. Gives a new meaning to flew the coop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. His wife and children started receiving increased harassment when he moved back to Alaska. So, uh, that same year, she finally filed for divorce and moved away with children. She never divorced him Uh. through all of that. He admitted to killing at least 17 women, and she was still married to him. I'm gonna stand by my man. That's just... You dumb-dumb? Wow. (laughs) In May of 2014, he was again transferred this time to the anchorage correctional complex for health reasons he ended up dying on august 21st of 2014 at alaska regional hospital from natural causes and the pope and young club have since removed his name from the record books so that's what you get not even your record stand piece of shit you fucker yeah yeah you big duty head you dork <laughs>
1: Perfect dork.
0: <laughs> that murdered and raped dozens of women.
1: <laughs> Again, dweeb alert, am I right? <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> nerd. Okay, All right. Speaking of
1: nerd, I could really go for watching The Karate Kid.
0: Yep. There's the rest of Billy's night.
1: <laughs> or Goonies.
0: You won't. You'll go play Spider-Man. I'll go. Try... You, have, you have trophies to win. I. You. He just got a Platinum Trophy. I got my
1: very first Platinum Trophy on PlayStation. And I noticed some of you guys out there, you could care less about it. And some of you guys out there who have PlayStation are like, big deal. But to me, it's a big deal. I have tried for 10 years to get one Platinum Trophy, and I did it last night. I was so happy, I damn near cried. (laughs) I was so happy with myself. I was like, you know, Billy, you put in the work. You put in the time and the work. You did it. You're well, if you think did. about it,
0: most of the games you've played over the past 10 years have been online when you've played them, so it's not like you're playing the actual game itself to get the so, trophies.
1: Some of the trophies are just so hard to get. Like, there's one on, like, I know you guys don't care, but there's one on, like, Mortal Kombat, you know? And on Mortal Kombat, you have to be a certain character, and you know when the person's dazed and they are like, finish him, and he's dazed, uh-huh. you have to jump over him back and forth 10 times and do the fatality before they fall. How do you do it? That's impossible. Shit like that. There's just some of them where it's just that trophies are so hard to get. It's not even worth it. But I did it.
0: He did it.
1: But I was going to, after this, I was actually going to see if you wanted to watch Frozen Ground.
0: Sure. We'll go watch it. Yeah. Why not? Maybe we'll let you guys know what we think about it on social media.
1: For show.
0: So, uh, yeah. If you liked what you heard. Speaking of social media, could <laughs> go. Here we go with the rundown. Thanks for listening, of course. If you liked what you heard, please get on iTunes, leave the five-star rating and a review. Uh, It's one of the easiest ways you can help us. I I know some of you may not be using iTunes, but it does weigh heavily on how people can see us and how easy we are to find. Um, We would really appreciate it if you could do that. Even if you didn't like it, then why are you still listening? Go give us that five-star review. Not that hard. Uh, of course, please check out the other great podcast on the Murderly Network. Show them some love. You can find all of us at murder.ly. And if you would like to be a real baller and hear about all of the chainsaw theft and other crazy shit that's happened this month, please get on patreon.com slash martinis and macabre. Make a pledge. Even just $1 a month gets you access to patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies So, you know, one buck a month. It's not much to ask. If you love us, if you really love us.
1: In the arms of an angel.
0: Help Billy support his Coke habit. I'm still
1: trying to work on that Coke habit.
0: (laughs) Help us out with that, guys.
1: First, I got to find some.
0: No, we're actually looking into getting some um, upgraded equipment. Getting an extra microphone and some soundproofing and shit like that. It would really help us greatly if you could do that. Just a dollar. That's all we're asking for. If you want to give more, feel free. If You feel we're worth it. You know, if you want to be a major baller, you know, like Amy Barton, because she's like badass and all. Total baller. You, you can do that. We won't be against it. We'll be like, thanks for your money. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you guys. <laughs> so, of course, thanks once again to our patrons, Kate, Hunter, Cooper, Bridget, Molly S., Sue, Holly, Stephen, Corey, Amy, Donald, Christy, Corina, Bonnie, Marie Maxime, and Molly W. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. And of course, if you don't want to do the Patreon thing and you just want to make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing, you can go to do that via our PayPal link on the website. It's martinisinthecob.com and it's near the bottom of the homepage underneath the Patreon links. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis in the Macabre and on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. Be sure to join our fan page on Facebook as well, friends who like Martinis in the Macabre. Uh, we love interacting with you guys. I know I've been absent from social media for a while. It's been kind of crunch time because we were preparing to do a crossover episode with Kate from Ignorance with Bliss. So I was working on that and then I kind of postponed that so I could. Do the one that related to Who's Your Homicide. So we are still going to get together with Kate very soon for that. So you guys have that to look forward to. Make sure you guys get on the social media and we'll try and keep you updated as to when that will be. And let us know what you think about this episode and about the movie Frozen Ground if you've seen it. Yeah. I'd like to know your thoughts. Uh, and feel free, of course, to post whatever you like. As far as I know, nobody's been sent to Facebook jail for anything they've posted. No. Um, So, yeah, post whatever you like. We love humor, true crime, anything you want to put on there. Interesting, funny, scary, horrifying, whatever. We're down. And, of course, sharing our pages, posts, and tweets really helps get the word out. That's the easiest way that you can help us is to just click that share button. Click that like button. And people that you know will see it. And they may like the same things you like because you're friends.
1: And it is proven the best form of marketing is word of mouth.
0: Yeah. Help us grow organically. That's the easiest way. Just share our posts, share episodes. Whatever you can do to get the word out is greatly appreciated. Visit our website, MartinicentheMaccab.com, to learn a little bit about us, listen to our complete episode catalog, or to listen to all the songs created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of each episode, and keep listening because another one will be at the end of this episode. And uh he's actually been in talks with some friends, he may be starting his own podcast soon. Yeah. Yeah, so look forward to that. And be sure to find his first official album release called Views on iTunes, Spotify, and many other music providers. Help support a truly independent artist. He's amazing at what he does. He's our little badass teenager.
1: I think we'll keep him. Yeah,
0: we'll keep him. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisandthemacab at gmail.com or you can use the contact page on the website. And uh, once again, thanks so much for listening. Happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners.
1: Gobble, gobble, baby.
0: Gobble, gobble. And if you guys aren't from America, then we're thankful to have you anyway.
1: Gobble, gobble, anyway. How about yeah. That?
0: Tell someone that you know that you're thankful for something. Spread the love. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, Snuggle Bunnies. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we'll see you in two weeks. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.
1: Plethora... Plethora.